Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Maker That Money right here, recording live every Friday on the YouTubes with me, as always, my trusty sidekick. Now, you didn't actually agree to be my sidekick, so I could technically be your sidekick, too. Oh, but, I, I guess that 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 could work. Yeah, <laughs> we're I was just roped kicks. into this. <laughs> we're so yeah. He's like, oh man, he's been just dra- yeah. Ever since we started, you know, what twenty six episodes ago, mm-hmm. he's been just trying to figure a way out. But uh, with me as always, it's uh, Andrew Mayhall of Three D Gloop, King of the Empire of Sticky. Hello, happy Friday to you, Andrew. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, hopefully everyone with us here is doing great too. I'm feeling a lot better than last week. <laughs> that is good. That is a win. I was just about to ask you, like, we, we got to talk about wins for the week because we, we sometimes oh, yes. forget. It's always good to talk in um, business. So well, we got to do the boilerplate though. So this is Maker That Money, the show where we, two uh, small business entrepreneurs, got our start in the maker sphere and the maker background. And we decided we were going to make a run at making a making a livelihood out of it, right? So mm-hmm. uh, like we coined last week, it's uh, talking about turning your hobby into your jobby. I, I love that. I don't know. It's probably cheesy, it but you know, the dad in me loves that. Uh, so it's, it's so cheesy, but it's so true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's fun. It's fun too. So it's like, you know, like I said, if what you're doing is, is fun, you'll, you'll, you'll never work mm-hmm. a day in your life. Something like that. I keep botching these sayings, but uh, <laughs> greetings to everybody that's joining us in the, in the chat. Uh, it's so good to see you. I guess, hope you had some good wins and a good week as well. Uh, so even if your win, like Andrew is saying, is just your, your health feeling healthier than last week, you are recovering from some bronchitis as I understand it. It was, it was terrible. (laughs) What a trooper to join us. He was, he did it. He he told me after the fact he had a fever and all this stuff. So the man is committed. The man is committed. Um, but, uh, I'm glad you're feeling better. Uh, bronchitis is, is nothing to laugh yep. about too. Still, still got a cough. So hopefully that's not too terrible today. <laughs> nice. Sound fine. All right. Whatever the, the drugs you're on sound like they're working so far. So knock, knock yep. on that. <laughs> hey, listen, today we're going to talk about technical debt and I'll, I'll own this. I didn't know. I hadn't heard that term until you it's and so I crazy. talked about topics this week. And you were a software developer, right? Web developer. I, I guess never it heard just the term technical debt. Never, eh? never heard it <laughs> laid out that way. I mean, it, it's, All right. it's just one of those things, you know, never stop learning. Um, I, I mean, once we started talking about what the concept, and we'll get into that in a second. Well, I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, sure. That makes total sense. I've just never heard it phrased that way. So sure. Everybody in the chat, be honest with me first, before we even tell you what it is, who has heard the term technical debt before? Is it informal? survey okay and uh, uh raise show of hands you know have you heard of it tell, tell me what, what you think it is and then we're gonna we're gonna talk about it and why it's important to understand and what it mm-hmm. its impacts on your business are uh and when i say everybody in the chat for anybody listening back to the podcast after the fact we record again every 9 a.m pacific on fridays friday morning is when andrew and i love you know, we feel like we're at our best. Actually, it's just what works with our schedules the best too. But yep. uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we record. So feel free to join us for that. Uh, we're on YouTube and we use uh, uh, the chat interface. Also, if uh, you're feeling brave and you want to join us, there is a call-in line. Uh, we haven't had any takers on that yeah, lately, yeah. Uh, sadly. Uh, but, you know, you never know. We're always up for it. We really want this to be a conversation, guys. Uh, and so even if it's questions, comments, your feels, you think we're full of crap, whatever it is, you know, call us up and yeah, we'll, we'll even take a heckler. We're that desperate at this point, right, Andrew? Oh, there we go. (laughs) Let's do it. All right. So technical debt. Okay. Chris in the chat guesses it's debt. You should technically pay, but don't really want to. Oh, it's a solid, it's a solid Actually, that's a solid. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, kind of, kind of, right. I mean, is there really any debt that anybody wants to pay? Not really. (laughs) Um, uh, let's see. Uh, incendium 87 says, uh, assuming I'm right about what you're talking about. I think we covered it in engineering econ class. Maybe, maybe is that okay. Do you think you would talk about that in engineering econ? It does seem like, I mean, I remember, yeah, I remember covering this very heavily in engineering classes. So yeah, (laughs) Mike, uh, never let the machines win. What was the term? The term is technical debt. You know, not not to mm-hmm. be confused with just garden variety debt. debt. Like, yeah, you don't want pay debt. your credit card. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, different, different from that. Different from that. Um, <clears throat> all right. <clears throat> well, people have had enough time to guess. 
Take it away, Andrew. Give us the definition of technical debt. What is technical debt? Yeah, so technical debt is uh, essentially, uh, it's very analogous to the monetary debt, um, but it really is a depiction of work that needs to be done or finalized in technical nature, um, you know, on maybe it's product development, maybe it's software, maybe it's even business. Right. Um, it, it could uh, it, it can actually cover a lot of areas, but it's essentially work that has you know needs to be done or hasn't been done yet or needs to be finalized. It's simple as that. Yeah. Um, now the difference between the technical debt or the the debt I should say and you know monetary debt uh, of you know when we're comparing these two is that doing the work on the technical side often doesn't really generate anything new. Um, it, it's not something that provides a value to you by pay, by repaying that debt. It's kind of a weird sort of, you know, idea, if you will. But let's think of it like this. Okay. Um, if you think back to our episode on MVP, what right. is the minimum viable product that you can develop to get out the door to test your idea? A lot of times you're going to be quick and dirty. You're going to do some dirty hacks. You're going to make some, you know, shortcuts, whatever you can do to uh, basically reduce the amount of effort you're putting in up front to test your idea. Okay. What you've done is you've created an MVP, which is amazing for business, mm. but you've also created a load of technical debt because what you've done is you've sidestepped a lot of, you know, maybe some principal design choices or, uh, you know, like documenting your code if you're a software developer, uh, making for sure that you've rigorously tested, you know, the the product that you're basically pushing live, that it works in every scenario. Okay. You just wanted to get something out the door and test it and see. Yeah. Uh, but what you've left behind is, is a bunch of work that you need to go back and rework to actually finalize. <laughs> Does that make sense? Oh, it completely <laughs> makes sense. And, and, and programming is a fantastic example of that. Cause I mean, like code is just rife with like comments that are just like, we'll address this later. Right. You know, it's, yep. and, and makers I'm sure can very much relate to that. It's like the mm -hmm. thing that we're making oftentimes, you know, there's probably a dozen things that we really would love to be able to do, but you know, we're trying to get it done for a trade show or whatever it might exactly. be. Exactly. Whatever the excuse mm -hmm. might be. And so that that is such a hard balance to strike, right? Because like you said, mm -hmm. minimum viable product, like we're talking about, like how do we get it out there, get data, understand if it's even worth doing and all that stuff. And so you're you're borrowing against you know that 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 future time and and knowing that you're gonna have to button this up later. Um, mm -hmm. uh, it's that's a tricky you know tricky fish, obviously to to decide on mm -hmm. like well okay what is the so the, there's obviously the decision making process when you get started like mm -hmm. what what is our minimum viable product and then everything that's goes to maximum viable product or or I what is it, what we got uh, ideal ideal product mm -hmm. sure is yeah the delta yeah. between that and minimum viable product would be your technical debt is that a sort of sort of i mean it's so so let's let's take a step back and actually break down what what technical debt often is um so most of the time technical debt is is really largely used in software development okay. um again perhaps it's that dirty or quick you know hack that you're doing it's an imperfect implementation um maybe it's a feature that's left unfinished or it's not fully finished and you can also think of this as bugs like you know in software it's buggy it has these weird issues uh -huh. you can't explain exactly why it's doing this um so yeah it, it, it kind of what you were saying you have your mvp and then you have your you know your finalized commercialized product there's a gap in between there so getting up to that finalized product you can still deliver a final product and have loads of technical debt in the background right. um but it's it's the process of of making for sure that you're constantly maintaining the technical debt that that really means that you're operating in an efficient manner and that you're you're not basically headed for a brick wall that you don't see because technical debt can also be seen as entropy uh and oh, and for those science word. nerds out there entropy is chaos the world um, tends toward chaos and boy <laughs> does it right i mean come on exactly yeah exactly so so basically unaddressed or unknown technical debt 
increases your design or your product's entropy. So it makes the it makes the cost of of developing it further even more expensive, maybe sometimes not even, you know, to your knowledge. So okay. think of it like taking that MVP to your finalized product. And at the, at the time that you're doing it, you find from customer feedback, you really want to implement some sort of feature. Um, I know that you've iterated your rep boxes over time. And I know that at <laughs> one point, sure. uh, when when I was out there, you were showing me some of the original designs of your rep box, how it had two essentially hinge mechanisms. I'm like, right? I, listeners, I'm like hiding my head in shame. I mean, like <laughs> it did, it did. I mean, there were some interesting design choices and, you know, obviously there's there, there were reasons, but uh, mm -hmm. yes. Sure. Yes. But I look back yeah. on it and I'm like, man, <laughs> that thing feels so clunky. Uh, yeah. Well, so, so, you know, you, you were, you were developing that product and you wanted to eventually add the feature where you could seal the rep box to prevent some moisture ingress. Seal. And yes. Okay. Sure. Seal. Seal in, yeah. in, in, in parentheses there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so, as, as best as one can and still be able to print from it. That's the, that's always the challenge. Right. But anyway, yeah, digress. exactly. So, so you throughout the process of iterating determined that uh, one of these really cool features that you would like to have is a sealing rep box of some sort and it was you were investing energy and time and effort into designing this keeping this double hinge mechanism and then what you realize is you're like wait it, that's not really possible yeah right yeah well you know <laughs> and, and it started as an aesthetic choice right because we weren't sure. really thinking about ceiling it was more like oh this would kind of be cool it opens up and you know, mm -hmm. and, and then ultimately we realized like it was going to take way too much work and engineering to try to get a, a, a decent seal on that. So, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So so this is this is an example where you didn't actually and not not uh, not a hit against you, but you didn't have the priorities or the objectives outlined in the beginning of what you wanted your product to be. Right. And so you stumbled into essentially what would be technical debt that you mm. created this product that you really didn't have the, the these overall objectives designed to a point where you could release a finalized product in the end. You were just kind of figuring your way out each step of the way. Yeah. And what you eventually realized is you're like, I have to rework this system. I have to address this technical debt, sure. this, this debt that I had put into, I had invested into that isn't going to work anymore. And I have to repay it by redesigning the system to get the accomplished goal that now I'm shooting for. Does well, that make sense? It does. But that's kind of an interesting thing because, I mean, one of the, we've talked about, you know, the advantages of mm -hmm. a lot of the tool sets we use being continuous improvement and stuff. And so I don't know that I look at it as it was an incomplete product. I think that that sure. we chose to pivot uh, in that in that case. So is that still technically technical debt? If we come, you know, I think that that happens. You you mm -hmm. what you originally set out to do, maybe the, the challenge or the what the product is may evolve over time as you get collect feedback sure. on it and stuff like that. So it's sure. you, that you would yeah, still consider well, that technical debt though. Yeah, it, it becomes technical debt when you realize that you want to change your direction. And and now that that is this is a piece of technology or a piece of, of the design that you have to go back and rework because of this change. Okay. Now it, it, do you go back and rework it immediately or do you continue to live with it and you fix and work on you know, developing it to try and get there. And so what I was trying to allude to was, is I know that you had spent some time trying to make the double hinge mechanism ceiling yeah, um, yeah. To, to some extent. And so yeah. that's where the technical debt lied was right. you were trying to make this mechanism capable of sealing when you know it was basically a hack on a hack on a hack i'm not trying I'm, I'm not trying to be so so rude saying your your, your product design sucks oh, no, we're, we're gonna just... pick on you in a second <laughs> with my exactly question, but, that, but that's fine mm -hmm. no i don't yeah. feel I, I think that's great i think it's a good real world example mm -hmm. sure yeah so so this is where this is where you know you've invested in this product and realized oh hey now I've got to go back. I've got to I've got to address the technical debt. And addressing the technical debt, it didn't really it didn't really give you a whole lot of anything new. It it, it allowed you to implement the new feature, right. but it was a feature you were already trying to implement. So redoing all of that work was effort put into finalizing your product, but a large part of it 
in the past of you trying to make that product ceiling, you learn something from it, but it didn't give you the end product that you wanted directly. It right. still required rework. Does right. that make sense? Yeah, it does. And listener, just as a side note, uh, Andrew is referring to ceiling S-E-A. L-I-N-G, not C-E-I-L-I-N-G. The ceiling rep <laughs> box is a whole different thing that we'll be releasing at another another time. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that'll be fun. You know I love putting stuff on walls and surfaces that they don't and belong. And ceilings. And ceilings, right? Why not? We put our printers up there. We need a rep box up there to go with it. Um, okay, so let's flip the script a little bit here. Let's yeah. talk about an example in 3D Gloop uh, where mm-hmm. you, you have uh, taken on some technical debt. Yes, absolutely. So, um, so as, as I was mentioning, you know, technical debt can exist in, in a lot of different things, whether it's, uh, whether it's the, uh, you know, software development side of thing. Maybe it's dark documentation, marketing, publications, mm-hmm. uh, could be business operations for us, you know, uh, formulas, uh, there have been numerous times where we had tried to make a specific formula work and we keep iterating and we keep trying to design this formula, ultimately realizing that we had the chemistry wrong to begin with uh-huh. uh, or it wasn't going to do what we wanted it to do. And we just kept building and building and building, wasting essentially a lot of time around a dirty hack that I had implemented two and a half years ago in in our design process okay uh, so that's one mechanism another mechanism mechanism is is I, we i've talked about this numerous of times before okay is our caps so our caps in our product we had a fundamental flaw okay they it failed to seal accurately a lot of times and that would result in gloop going bad over time okay. air would get in solvents would get out the gloop would cure unhappy customers we had poured a ton of energy into trying to make the metal closures that we were getting to work. Okay. It wasn't ever going to work. So we knew that, okay, we had to design a new cap essentially from the ground up. So we went out and we started engineering this new cap. We started adding in all of the features that we thought we would need. We started designing towards the specific thing. And along the way, during the design process, you know, uh, being a mechanical engineer and, you know, we, I was really making these design choices in, in the software program that I use SolidWorks. And I made it to where changing the design slightly, once we got it to the injection molding Mm -hmm. was very difficult. And I wasn't actually thinking for a design for manufacturing, you know, sort of process. I was just thinking, okay, Hey, this is exactly what we were going to need. And there were some some major issues where when we went to our molding partner, they said, hey, we can make this. But if you had a draft angle such as, you know, three degrees instead of 1.5 degrees, Uh it would make the system so much easier. It's like, oh, okay, well, it's parametric. I'll just go in and I'll change that. But what I didn't realize was all of my little dirty hacks to get the specific design and, and, you know, features that I wanted. It wasn't that easy. So never is it, it never. Yeah. Is. So, yeah. so what it ended up happening is, is that we had to invest another month or two of design work to redesign a cap that we already had designed, yeah. but redesign it in a way that it made it easier for us to update the design in the future. Sure. Should we need to? Yeah. yeah. And, and then to layer on top of this, to add insult to that initial injury, <laughs> when we when we started making this, we had spec'd it out for a specific type of polypropylene homopolymer mixed with glass fiber reinforcement. Okay. Our injection molding partner said we weren't able to source that in a in a proper time, so we had to switch out the polymers. And so, in doing so, we had to change the mold design slightly to account for this. Knowing good well that that once we ran out of this current cap, we were going to have to go back and have rework done to the mold. And knowing that this was technical debt, we actually let it slip a little too long. Yeah. Now we have to go back and address this technical debt before we can actually reorder all of our caps. Right. So, you know, it's these little silly choices that we've made along the way to try and get something out the door quickly, knowing that we would need to come back and readdress them or potentially not even knowing that we'd come back and readdress them that then come back to bite us in the end. (laughs) So 
I mean, I what one I think this is fascinating fascinating conversation. I hope this is interesting to you guys in the sense that you're getting to see behind the curtain of like all the little minutia that most people when they're thinking about starting a business mm-hmm. aren't really like, wait, wait, how much time did you spend just working on the cap design? So when you add up all those little things, mm-hmm. right? Packaging and, you know, re- we're not even just talking about the product manufacturing. I mean, it, it mm-hmm. it's not to scare anybody away, but only people that I feel like have walked the path can really look at, you know, even simple products and and just be like, oh my gosh, I, I, I completely understand how much work has gone into that. So that's, that's an interesting story. And thank you for sharing it. Um, I, I don't know that there's any complete avoiding of it and well that that that's a i'm gonna hold that question because i think that that's an interesting point i want to i want to say like Mm -hmm. you know are there ever times where it's not worth taking on the technical Mm -hmm. debt because we have a couple questions and comments in the okay chat that i want to hit uh hack monkey has a great comment he says uh the downside of mvp minimum viable product which we've talked about before is guaranteed Mm -hmm. technical debt down the road would you agree with that absolutely anytime that's the whole point Anytime. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not a bad thing. So technical debt is not, not a bad thing the same way that having a loan on your house. Like there is debt that is mm-hmm. understandable, reasonable, reasonable risk, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it it's is. finding that balance of like how much is too much and, and, and all that stuff. Uh, Steve McCullough, McCullough, excuse me, Stephen, uh, he, he asks, do planned features count as technical debt? So that's a really good question. Yeah. And, you know, the argument would say is, is technically no, it doesn't count as technical debt. If you have this plan laid out, this so is just a waiting. It's a roadmap. It's an implementation of those features. Okay. Uh, if you have that going into your initial design, uh, where you can lay out all of your objectives and you know this is where you're going to go, you can build whatever product, whatever system, whatever code base, you can architect it in such a way that you are going to include those features down the road. Right. The issue becomes is when you start making um, you know, decisions to get to that, that planned feature quicker yeah. as like an MVP and yeah. you realize like, Oh, I'm going to implement this dirty hack. Maybe it's a website and you want, you know, a pop-up to come up. So you implement it out of some just janky CSS and, and JavaScript, you know, that, that'll work. <laughs> Maybe it's, you know, a, again, seen. like trying <laughs> it, it's in SolidWorks where instead of, instead of documenting every feature and call out and making your design perfectly parametric, you just plug in some dimensional values and say, Oh, I can change this dimension later on when in reality when you go back to do it it breaks other features down the road right so that's where technical debt lies most of the time it's it's something you don't even see coming yeah and so you have to be mindful of every step of the way what you're doing to create the technical debt because ultimately you're going to have to go back and solve that and and two what your goal is for your product are you trying to get again to another mvp um Mm -hmm. and and Mm -hmm. release that like with gloop we operate on an mvp basis everywhere so we are constantly iterating formulas constantly tweaking formulas we tweak it internally in our lab and we get it to a minimum viable to our acceptable standard and we release it yeah and then you know we we are taking steps along the way understanding that there might be things that we need to go back and do so such as updating our reaction you know uh procedures our documentation like how we run the reactions uh updating our safety data sheets uh updating you know specific you know uh documentation on our website this is all technically technical debt especially if we've changed things down the road and we haven't gone back and done rework Interesting. You follow? Yeah, no, I do. I do. I'm I because I, I, I can see I I love that question because it, it feels like a very subtle difference. And I'm trying to think of how to distill it down because you know, ideally we you want to try to forecast roadmap, plan out ahead of time, you know, implement. Mm-hmm. And so work in progress it, from what you're saying is not technically it, 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 it's more technical debt is more about blind spots like things that you're just you're, sure. you're putting it out there because mm-hmm. you want to get it out there i mean it's is it like almost like real-time beta testing is it is there a sure and and so if you were to put out a product and and say maybe you're not going to call it a beta but you know mm-hmm. that there's mm-hmm. there's blind spots in there um mm-hmm. That's I think that's different than just 
not getting yes. to the feature implementation just yet. Like we'll do that in V2, yep. right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That yeah. seems pretty yeah. subtle. I, I mean, I could see yeah. an argument for either way there, but mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah, that, ab- great absolutely. question. Absolutely. Great yeah. question. So, so the 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 big takeaway here is that technical debt is not necessarily, and you you alluded to this earlier, it's not a bad thing. Again, it's required to move projects forward, uh, getting to that MVP, getting it so that you can release your product. Where technical debt rears its ugly head is when you don't understand what you're creating for yourself later on down the road. So you are just making decisions kind of blindly or just rushing through to get a product out the door. And then you're realizing, Oh, now I've got to go back and I've got to refactor this, this code base. I've got to Mm -hmm. refactor this design, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever it might be. And then that results in significant changes for actually like, maybe it's designed for manufacturing, like what we had to do with our caps. Maybe it's perhaps again, like adding another feature for what you wanted to do with your rep boxes your initial design choices were not conducive to that new feature so you had to go back and rework a bunch of this and pay this technical debt in order to get to a point where you can move forward all right so let me ask you this is is there ever a time where you would not want to do when you would choose to like, you know, how, how do you strike that balance between MVP and technical debt? Like I, cause I guarantee you there's plenty of people out there that are like, no, this is not ready mm-hmm. to release. We do not operate that way. And I think there's almost a, sure. a, a company culture component to that, right. Where you the, have to decide what you're, what mm-hmm. you're putting out there and what your tolerance is for allowing for technical debt. You know? Yeah, ab- absolutely. And so, so that's a, that's a really interesting piece because it really comes down to the organization or the person kind of in charge. But let's look at it like this. Executing to a model with no technical debt is ideally amazing because think of it like living your life without financial debt. Uh, you know, I would love to live my life without, you know, sure. a, a, any sort of debt. I'm sure a lot of people would. But what we come to realize is, is that being able to do the things that we want to do. Yeah. It, it, it's not very conducive to that. So we we as people will like to take on some debt uh, to our risk appetite that we could then, you know, kind of be able to do the things that we want to do. So with a bootstrap business model, uh, you know, trying to build out a a bootstrap business like what we did here with Bloop without using any funding, any any sort of loans or or lines of credit, it was really hard. Um, you know, we ended up having to use lines of credit or credit cards or whatever to, to get things off the ground sure, because sure. we wanted to build out, uh, you know, we initially started like, how could we build out this product to such a way that it's going to solve all of these needs? And we realized that's not possible. Mm. But what we can do is we can take off pieces and we can say, we want to be here. We are right, right now here. So, right. you know, let's, let's figure out like, you know, what we could do to get this product launched. How can we, you know, basically make for sure that in the future, we don't have to go back and rework a bunch of stuff, but we will take a hit on some of this technical debt, realizing that yes, inevitably we're going to have to go back and redo some of this. So it's Mm -hmm. a, it's a weird balancing act. And the, the frustrating part is, is that there's no exact answer. Um, It's really dependent on the product. Yeah, or or and, the, like said, the, the the solution and your and mm-hmm. your appetite for it like, because it, it it's I don't think it's fair to say it's impossible but when you talk about it, you're you're sure. right I think that that's a very common choice from a bootstrap thing that you know if your alternative is well no we just we have the plan we go out we seek proper funding and we give ourselves enough runway to have the time to do the development and all that stuff too which is the, nothing wrong with that mm-hmm. just a completely different uh way way about it it's interesting because we talk about you know. The, the risks involved. And I, I, I've had conversations with you and other people on my team mm-hmm. uh, in the past about how we have this tendency to want to like punch above our weight to some extent, right? Where it's like, we can see mm-hmm. what a lot of these other companies are doing that have more budget, have funding for stuff. And so we're borrowing against our, we, in order to compete, in order to be out there, a lot of times we take on that technical debt. We take on real debt oftentimes mm-hmm. and we take on technical debt as well as a means to be out there quicker and compete. Um, mm-hmm. But <clears throat> 
you know the the, yeah. the the flip side of that is like you 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 can pay a heavy price if you get it wrong right like when you if you have sure. too many blind spots and too much technical debt it can ultimately and without that hindsight you don't know mm-hmm. like you don't know what what you're ultimately going to pay for this uh mm-hmm. until until you get it out there your caps is a great well, example right and I mean, and and you actually also hit on another thing where not having any technical debt is also a hindrance so let's let's extrapolate this a little bit further there we go so mm-hmm. um you know basically what i was saying is is you know as a bootstrap startup or you know even a small company mm-hmm. launching a product without any sort of debt or any sort of you know like let's just in in this sense talk about it financial debt sure to build out a fully featured product, like let's say I wanted to go and I, I wanted to compete with Tesla, I'm going to build an electric car from the ground uh, up. Uh, okay, right? <laughs> and a, and so a big one I'm there. gonna I'm gonna okay. uh, yeah, I, this is a big a big fish, right? Sure. How do you realistically think that I will be able to deliver a car to a polish and a professionalism no. that Tesla's able to do. No, because being, Tesla's not you know, even able to do it to a lot of extent. Well, right? So, so yeah. well, I chose Tesla specifically because they actually have a ton of technical debt that they're always working on fixing. The, you yeah, know, that, that's a fantastic point. They're a great <laughs> example. So for those that aren't aware, if you want to read up on Tesla history and stuff like that, but obviously there's, there's any number of things when, when a new, mm-hmm. Uh, uh, model has been released where just stuff like paint finish is wrong, li- like alignment of pant body panels and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. it's they they take on, and it's been said multiple times by Elon and other you know members of the team. It's like they they've got that that they're running it like a software company or like a tech company mm-hmm. where it's like well we'll fix it we'll fix it later we'll fix the code later yep. as we go and that doesn't always work <laughs> in the same way in the in the product world but but i mean they are at the mm-hmm. it's it's hard to argue you're like yes people when you're the customer and, it, and you're the bearing the brunt of it it sucks mm-hmm. but when you look yeah. at it from a 10,000 foot view i'm like it's hard to argue with the fact that they're doing it so it's yep, exactly it's easy for us <laughs> to monday morning quarterback and you know criticize yeah so, um, so, you know, for, for us, like, let's say my, my new company, right. It, you know, is, is going to try and compete and we're going to spend all of this R and D dollars, all of this effort into building out something so that we can deliver a car to the fit, the finish and the polish. That's what's expected by, you know, this other, you know, premium customer, yeah. you know, that's used to purchasing a Tesla, sure. the cost and the, the, the effort would be astronomical, especially if I'm going to do it in such a way where I am not going to have any sort Sort of financial debt period right yeah. I, i'm i'm using financial debt here because I, i'm trying to make a, a you know a, a more point relatable that, yeah okay oh rela- yeah it's more relatable yeah. so you know the the cost would just be astronomical whereas if i if i said okay well you know maybe i start you know taking out you know it, it, maybe i can either a reduce what i'm going to deliver okay. to reduce that financial you know that financial cost uh you know so maybe it's not a tesla maybe i'm going to go after you know let's say you know a nicer uh like maybe a lexus or you know a, a cadillac something you know where it, you know it's it's a it's a still a premium brand <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah but you know, like it, it might not be as, as a, as a high, you know, a high tier, you know, high cost item, um, you know, as a, as a Tesla, you know, fully kitted out and, you know, I can keep knocking this down and I can go all the way down to, let's say like a Ford Escort or, or something of that nature mm-hmm, where, you mm-hmm. know, I'm just going to deliver something and then I'm going to work my way back up to sure. reduce that cost. So in the term of technical debt, if I'm going to develop a product where I'm going to have zero technical debt, I'm going to spend a ton of time figuring out all of the documentation, all of the things where it doesn't work, all of the quality control, and I'm not going to be able to really ship a product until then. And, you know, basically I'm, I'm trying to create essentially this creeping elegance because as a part of this, I'm going to find areas where I don't like this or, like Hey, there's some technical debt here. So I'm going to have to fix this. And this, this scope eventually creeps. Mm-hmm. So, once I finally come to the ability to launch the product, I've now missed opportunities for potential revenue streams of launching a product previously that maybe wasn't up to this zero technical debt standard, but yeah. was still perfectly sufficient for shipping. I've short cycled the iterative process. So I, I, you know, I wasn't able to iterate on customer feedback or, mm-hmm. you know, just 
you know, seeing what the market or the the product did out right. in the real world. Right. And what's funny is, is that monolithic products are going to dissolve more quickly to chaos and entropy because there was no feedback that was implemented. Yeah. So when you realize like, oh, wait a second, I got this wrong. I've now got to go back and fix it. Usually yeah. now you're on this artificial time crunch, or maybe it's a real time crunch because it took you a year to get a product ready to ship. And now you're out of money. Well, and so see, now you've got to iterate it. <laughs> yeah, and and I and I love that because that the one could make the argument that it's like the, it's almost not technically debt when it's utilized that way because you're you're mm -hmm. basically doing real time market research which has intrinsic value sure. to it, right? Mm -hmm. So so I agree. Like I like minimum viable, product, and I think that we see trend toward that with a lot of product. That, mm -hmm. like, let's get it out there because when you're designing stuff within your own echo chamber, you make terrible assumptions about the way that it's going to be perceived or received or any of that stuff. So, mm -hmm. so, you know, the real value of, of MVP and taking on some technical debt is allowing you to dip your toe in and to get that feedback. The, the, mm -hmm. the downside is, and it depends on what the product is, is that you're using your customers now as a Guinea pig for kind of beta testing, but you're not calling yep. it a beta, you know, you're not, you're not revealing exactly how unfinished, you know, it is. But, but again, there's a, there's a big difference between the product missing mm -hmm. actual features that you're saying that it's going to have and you mm -hmm. just not having like a parametric model available for download or, or a 3d spin, you know, some, some of those sure. things. Cause a lot of the technical debt that I feel like we mm -hmm. take on is, is more related to just kind of the, the, the customer feel good support pieces, sure. better build what guides. you're seeing in a polished company, right? Yeah. So someone who has the effort or the ability to, to do those things kind right. of day one or, or day 10 after launch. Right. Um, you know, like think, think like Apple, they have all of this amazing whiz bang marketing stuff, 3d renderings of their iPhone for their product uses is all, all of this really cool stuff. Right, and right, you know, right, it's right. like, Oh wait, Hey, we would love to have that. But the cost of a company actually developing that day one, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Whereas like, Oh, Hey, can I develop some, can I take some, nice pictures and you yeah. know ha like a video of someone using the product is that good enough realizing like okay in order to compete with apple maybe i need to up my marketing game a bit but you know i'll have to do that as a stepwise process i'll have to go back and and kind of redo that and yeah. Yeah. where this gets fuzzy is is like how do you portray the messaging so if you're not careful with how you're planning to market your product potentially then you have to go back and say, oh, wait, here's some technical debt that we have to solve. And I bring this up because this is exactly what we did with Bloop. We said Bloop was, oh, this multi-purpose adhesive. You could use it as your build platform adhesive. You can use it for gluing your parts together. Yeah. You could use it to, you know, kind of smooth out those layer lines. Right. Right. That was yeah. a terrible move on our part because now we have to go back and we have to change the way in which we were messaging. And we have all of these other people who experienced mm -hmm. Gloop back in the day as being marketed as such. And we have to try and convince them, no, it's not really, it's not that great anymore for those things because we've changed the formulas. Yeah. And so now we have to service this technical debt. And this technical debt is actually costing us in, you know, in customer satisfaction and sales and, and in everything. Well, and that's what I was going to drive home that a lot of times the, the cost of the technical debt. So when I'm thinking about the things that we've taken on is at the expense of the brand, right? In that mm -hmm. the, the perceived value. So there's a couple interesting points of what you, you commented on. Sometimes the technical debt isn't going to matter because there's always a gamut. Like your customer base is not a monolith any more than mm -hmm. you know anything else in your, your business. And so expectation of what the product should be and what level of service and detail on build guides and stuff like that it just runs the gamut. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and so a lot of the technical debt that we've taken on is stuff um, where uh, if, if we had messaged it better or if we had done it in a way, so I'm going to, I'm going to focus on, on the build guide. Cause it's, it's one of these sure. things that is just, it's 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 difficult and time intensive because we do a lot of continuous improvement and it's very time consuming to go back and film another video and then people that don't like videos are mm -hmm. like but then I want I want a PDF of it and then somebody <laughs> else wants you know uh, to just be able to do the 3D animation so there's a lot of little like support structures for just the product support 
there's a ton of people that will that just are way better at like intuiting things or building or willing to suffer through like I'll put it together and then miss it and then put it back together and big deal whatever <laughs> yep. no big deal and then there's the people that are like if I do not have my little fancy booklet that I can read through like shame on you right for not yep. for, for not doing that and it, <laughs> and it sucks getting that feedback because like the, the and the truth is that that's still such a small percentage um, mm-hmm. of that. And you can't sure. really go to that customer and say, yeah, sorry, that's something that we kind of shortcutted because most people aren't whiny like you and mm-hmm. can figure out how to build this thing. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know what I mean? Yeah, that doesn't but, work the, too well, does yeah, it? No, no, it doesn't. It, it absolutely doesn't. So it's like, you, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to take some 80-20 rule into effect. And it's like, we're going to focus our effort. We have minimum resources. And so we try to try to meet as many of that those core people we can. But over time, if you don't address those things, those noisy people on the fringes of the bell curve, um, mm-hmm. typically on the detrimental side, uh, are, are going to constantly be out there complaining on forums and all that stuff. And then they're just going to start to set a tone. They're going to leave a bad review somewhere. They're going to start to set this tone that's going to actually damage your mark- sales and marketing efforts, right? Because it's going to create mm-hmm. a public perception uh, that mm-hmm. may not be being offset by, you know, the positive side of things. So, yeah, you know, that's, that's a really tough, uh, circle to square, um, in, in, in figuring out like when it's reasonable and when you should have to go back to it. Cause it's always the last thing that we Mm -hmm. go back to. Um, yeah, I don't know. What do you guys think? Uh, in the chat, uh, let us know what, what your feels are, what do you, you know, as a customer expectation, like wh- how much, I, I think we get a lot mm-hmm. as a small business. When you frame yourself that way, you get a lot of grace, uh, from people. Not, mm-hmm. not always, yeah, not always, but not always, but, yeah. but you only get it for so long, you know, you, cause exactly. you can only claim, mm-hmm. you know, like, Oh, we're small, we're tiny. And also, yeah, no, no, it's not going to fly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, man, um, what a, what a really, yeah, what a really fascinating topic. I mean, it's just got my brain, my wheels turning in terms of like, okay, what, mm-hmm. what did have we taken well, on? What are these things that we need well, to Well, I mean, up? It, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy. Cause you know, when you actually start thinking about all of the things that, uh, you know, you do as a, as a maker, who's turning their hobby into a business, there's a ton of technical debt that you're creating as a part of that process. Um, you know, just the simple aspect of making for sure you get your proper paperwork filed, like your LLCs, your tax documentation, when you start hiring your first employee, employment contracts, non-disclosure agreements, while they might not necessarily be required, Wired, it's those nice to have things as as terms of a well running you know business that you're you're hopefully building. Uh, you know, eventually you're going to have safety procedures. You're going to have um, you know these these things where you need to make for sure your employees are are protected. All of this stuff is you know it can be classified essentially as technical debt if you're just making decisions not really knowing what you're doing and you're like, Oh, well, I'll just go and hire an employee. And then you do that until a point in time where you're like, well, you know, I need to hire four more employees. And and then you find mm-hmm. out like, Oh, Hey, this employee left. And you know, it's like, how do I, how do I make for sure that, you know, the information that we're developing doesn't leave with it to a competitor or, or whatever yeah. else. Yeah. And now you have to go back and you have to refactor all of the way that you've done this to this point. You know, you, so, you brought up an interesting kind of technical debt that can be particularly dangerous when it comes to a lot of the stuff that we as makers just uh, hate with a fire mm-hmm. of a thousand suns, you know, the, the admin work, the, I don't know, I'm not going to speak for everybody because sure. you, you have a sick fascination with this stuff, unlike anybody else I've known. <laughs> but, but, uh, but for the most part, it's like filling out forums, registering stuff with government, all that, like, blah, I don't want to, I just want to make awesome products. Uh, you know, and, and focus on that. But, but here's the thing, when you take on that tech, when you, when you punt that down the, you know, down the road mm-hmm. and say like, oh, I'm going to get the contract later or whatever. If, if that backfires on you, if you come and get sued, like that can be game over, that, that can be game over sure. technical debt. Right. And so yeah. that's not something that you want to hold on to. I don't know. I don't know if you classify that in the same way. It's like, cause ultimately that just sounds like procrastinating on what you really should be doing. 
Sure. No, that, that literally is you procrastinating on what you should be doing. But you know, what, what I was trying to draw the line of is, is, you know, you could say maybe it's legal debt, maybe it's operational debt, but the, the point is, um, you know, this, this sort of process exists everywhere and we we we're naturally kind of accustomed to falling into these traps and so we as makers that are making this transition to business owners or you know again just you know even in our own professional lives if we're not making that transition how do we you know basically monitor ourselves and produce you know results that that are beneficial to the outcome that we're trying to, you know, work towards, but that aren't creating loads of technical debt. You know, we have to strike that perfect balance. Right. Um, you know, sometimes it's appropriate to punt some of these things down the road. Sometimes it's not. Um, so for, for those that were asking what the definition of technical debt, uh, basically those those that were late to class today. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So basically it's a term that describes, uh, what results in, a or what a what a person or whatever development team product uh, developers the actions that they're taking to expedite a delivery or expedite a product launch or you know expedite just getting something done knowing that they'll have to go back and kind of refactor this and right. sometimes you have unknown technical debt so maybe you are making decisions right now that you can't forecast what they're going to look like, you know, later on where you're going to have to go back and you're going to have to refactor something, Uh, whether it's again, code, whether it's a product design, a parametric design, uh, you know, business operations, procedures, whatever it might be. Yeah. So as a, as a real world example from my, my business, for those asking, like one example of technical debt that we've taken on is we are now going back and well, for a long time, we didn't have a 3d rendering, uh, that was publicly available for people to have context when they're building, spin it around, explode the diagram and all that stuff. Um, we, we did that, but now that we have multiple versions and stuff of the box, we've realized that we've got some version control issues where, you know, the parts that are shared between them are not linked properly, that there's not parametric things so that as we're changing the design, that it's propagating through in a way that's going to save us a lot more time than having to manually redraw a lot of these changes and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And a lot of times we choose to take that on because we don't know that this product is going to do well and that it's going to ultimately be worth spending the time up front for. So as sure. we layer on new versions now, we've optimized our our workflow and our CAD modeling so that we can very easily just say swap out side panels or the col- change the color of the bracketry or whatever, and we're not having to rebuild a new CAD model for every version of the thing we've done. It makes a lot of sense now because it makes our life a lot easier at the scale we're at when we were f- mm-hmm. first starting. It'd have been a waste of time. It makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's that's it. That is perfect because you you have to balance like, is this going to give me something in return or is it just a nice to have sort of thing? Um, you know, and, and this isn't a perfect analogy, but I kind of like it. Think of like like this where you're going to go and buy a car, for example, and you're going to buy it on a loan. Making the loan payments on your car doesn't give you a new car. You've already got the car, right? The utility is already there. Paying it off protects you from it being repossessed and it ruining your credit score. But once it's paid off, the car is still the exact same thing that you had already, right? Mm -hmm. You don't get anything new for paying it off. I mean, I guess you get the title and you're like, oh, hey, you know, like I own this car. But at the end of the day, you've already had the car. Okay. So- you know, you know, pay like putting effort into solving all of your technical debt sometimes doesn't pay you to actually do it. You know, it, it makes more sense to just, you know, keep moving forward and, and servicing the debt a little bit each time. Like, okay, hey, I'm planning on making these changes. What do I need to do? How do I monitor what I've done in the past? Mm. For example, like with your with your rep boxes. Um, you know, having, having to redesign each model, you know, when you make a new revision control at, at the time when you were doing this, that made sense. Yeah. But now once you're starting to reach a, a, a finality, a, you know, a, a commercially viable product, uh, it makes more sense to have, uh, you know, spend a little bit more time in developing or building out your production tools so that when you start making small changes, you don't have to go back and reinvent the wheel every single time. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting. <laughs> good question from Chris in the chat. He asked, what are some good ways to minimize technical debt in the iteration process? You got some thoughts on that? Yeah. So uh, typically, um, you know, when, when I'm doing something where I'm designing either, a, you know, a formula or, you know, maybe a specific, you know, CAD model, uh, you know, I will think to myself, what is the end goal? I will try and spend some time to figure out its overall objectives, define exactly what I right, want. Right. Um, because that right there lays the framework, the the biggest piece. Uh, you know, if it's going to be like, let's say, for instance, I'm designing a replacement part for, you know, a lawnmower or whatever, yeah. uh, you know, because I had to 3D print a part recently for mm -hmm. mine. I could have spent all of the time making my model super parametric, doing all reference geometry, making for sure I document every specific piece, or I could have just quickly drawn it up in CAD and then hit print. Right, right. Those two things, I could have spent a lot more time on the first version, making it perfectly parametric and, and everything else, basically perfecting it so that I wouldn't have a whole lot of technical debt if I needed to change something, or I could have just drawn it up sent it to the printer, printed it, realized, hey, if it didn't fit, I can change it a little bit, tweak it or here. So that's where figuring out the objectives at first make the most sense. So is this a product you're going to be launching and is it going to last for a long period of time? Maybe it makes more sense to put a little bit more effort in thinking through all of the various features that you're going to have, all of the various avenues and potential ways that it could break or you know, you might need to take things and, and just kind of work from there. Quick show note for you guys. We've we've been throwing out that term parametric design a lot uh, today. And for anybody that might not know what that is, because it was a time when I didn't, and I don't want to assume that you guys all do. <laughs> um, it's actually uh, a really neat um, uh, implementation in CAD and, and other software a lot of the time that allows you to basically make very quick modifications by... So defining variables within your design that allow you to go in and say, change a link. So f uh, most basic mm -hmm. example, if you have a rectangle and it's uh, it's currently five inches by 10 inches, uh, instead of going in there and physically dragging the size of the rectangle to scale it to when you change it, because you decided it needed mm -hmm. to be six by 10, you would go in and in software do six inch, you would go type in like this length, you know, length one mm -hmm. is going to be six and length two is going to be 10. Um, apologies if that's rudimentary, but it's kind of a, a great example of something that adds a lot of value as you go back in and do a lot of continual improvement down the road. That's a very basic thing, but you can think of mm -hmm. a, a model that's got thousands of parts and stuff like that and lots of linkages. And so <clears throat> going in and changing that width. So if, if we decide to change our box, our rep box width, we can just go and key a new width and it'll automatically update where the side panels are tacked onto the end, where the bracketry is, all that stuff. So that saves a ton of time in the iteration process. So that's a, why we're using yep. it as a great example of technical debt in our particular applications. Hopefully mm -hmm. that's a, a fair explanation of, of that process. A little bit of a digression mm -hmm. from Chris's question, um, but yeah. To and and I'll echo you in that, uh, and it, it, we've said this, you know, uh, a million times that the planning and and just mm -hmm. stopping for a second, sitting down and jotting down what are the design goals, what are the, what mm -hmm. am I trying to do, who are my customers, you know, really trying to say like what, what are the blind spots here, what am I missing, like yep. what do you know, because like you said, it's it's silly. We as makers a lot of the time are going to want to do all this whiz bang stuff, but when you stop and talk about your lawnmower example you're like wait i only need one part and it's for me i'm not selling this part like i don't exactly i don't, I don't need all that extra yeah. work it doesn't i don't want to yeah. spend the time to make it parametric because frankly i'm never going to change yeah. this thing again i just need to get this and thing if out. it breaks again you know and i, I want to make it stiffer like i could pull it back up i can maybe like fumble through and like right. oh hey maybe i just make it like this or whatever you know it's it's not something that i need to put a whole lot of effort into you know i have to balance what i'm getting versus what i'm giving Yes. Um, so one of the things that uh, I was it was occurring to me about, you know, um, I, I just lost my train of thought. We were talking about technical <laughs> debt. We were talking about, uh, oh, the, the oh, I know what it was. So <clears throat> I, I look at technical debt a lot of the time is like, you know, if you're if you're trying to identify ways, let's talk about it on the dollars and cents of your operating your business, right? And so a lot of the times when we're trying to think about like, okay, how do we increase revenue? We're, we're focused mm -hmm. on bringing, driving more revenue into our business, right? And we look at, 
you'd mentioned technical debt being kind of a sunk cost in a lot of ways, or it's like something that it's like mm-hmm. we're, bar- we're borrowing against. But mm-hmm. I would argue that there are certainly cases where it's it's like a penny saved is a penny earned, that, that there is sure. definitely a value, okay, mm-hmm. that like we we're saying, we're, when we're paying off that technical debt can be as good or better. So say, if, it's hard to come up with a, a feasible example. Yeah. Of this, but, but say that, say... Say that that fixing that technical debt thing that you're borrowing against is going to save you a thousand bucks in terms of. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know how you would assign that exact monetary value, but sure. When you're looking at all the things that you need to do, are you better off trying to go find ways to earn a thousand more dollars or save a thousand more dollars? Right, and so there's exactly. there's opportunity mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. in tech paying off technical debt in the long run, uh, in in uh, uh, affecting your bottom line in that way. Absolutely. And so things that come directly to mind are like in production environments. So let's say, for instance, uh, you know, you like you do a lot of laser cutting, Um, you know, perhaps again, you just throwing you just throwing designs onto a sheet and then calling it good, you know, and then cutting out that that layout, you know, that works. Yeah. You know, just but but if you would actually take and go back and let's say you get 10 layouts, you can go back and you can say, well, wait, I can optimize this layout out i can save some material here i can save some processing time by you know by moving some things around or ordering the which the parts are getting cut out i'm going to save overall production time this is where that technical debt that you created because you were just trying to get something done and launched Mm -hmm. makes sense in going back because it's an you know it's a stacking process it's building over time so there are absolutely times in which it makes more sense to invest in paying down that technical debt um, you know, just, that's just one specific example. Yeah, no, 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 that's good. It's it's just one of those things. Like I said, it feels like the technical debt is often borrowing against the value of the brand is what it feels to me. Like, so it's, it's customer sure. perception a lot of time. It's polish, you know, it's like, hey, right now we're just shipping in a plain old box, but ultimately like we want, you know, a nice printed box that's custom to our design and stuff like that. And then it, it just mm-hmm. changes the the feel of the, the perception of the brand, the product, you know, all of that stuff. And so in the mm-hmm. short term, we look for ways to just get the thing out there but if we want to be taken seriously and taking it to mainstream you know somebody that's as we're selling i think pezla has mentioned in the chat you know in this space there's a mm-hmm. lot of expectation that there's going to be tinkering involved and all that stuff but if we want to grow beyond this space which is critical yep. to to long-term success a lot of the time you need to think about how you're going to mass market this and how you're going to appeal to a wider audience that doesn't know who you are doesn't know a thing about 3d printing or the 3d printing community or the maker community or any of that stuff yep. uh mm-hmm. and and so you need to make sure that that stuff's all buttoned up before you're i would say ready to go out there um, mm-hmm. because otherwise you're going to get your butt kicked in the, sure. you know, the commentary and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I'm sorry, and the reviews and feedback and all that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. and I've seen it, you know, we've played with like trying to get some rep box on Amazon and, and stuff like that. And, you know, while there's plenty of makers and stuff that are out there and would love to buy via Amazon, there's a lot more that are just seeing a photo of it and they know they're yeah. in the 3D printing and it, it got sent to them as an ad and they're like, oh, I need a storage box. Um, but mm-hmm. they're, they're not going to cut you any slack, man. Uh, nope. so, <laughs> so pay down that technical debt, right? Make sure your, your, yeah. your build guide is, but, and it's, uh, it's so funny because a lot of that stuff, I call it self-inflicted wounds, right? Like, mm-hmm. and it makes a huge difference in terms of the overall perception of the brand. Sure. It only sure. takes one or two, and usually it's a combination of a couple of things. So if somebody opens a box and the panels aren't cleaned well and they're missing a screw and, and, and then that, you know, and maybe there's one other thing and then it's like, this is terrible. Right. It doesn't yep. even, sometimes then people don't over. even give you that. Yep. Right. And then it's game over yep. and then they're going to you know, want to go out and put you on blast and you know, whatever. So, mm-hmm. so the, there, there's yep. times where it depends on what, yeah. What, what, what arena you're playing in, uh, to, sure. I guess. Sure. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, we are closing in on the top of the hour. That's a solid 60 on, uh, solid on technical 60. debt, I would say. <laughs> um, any, we'll just throw it out there. 
Last call for questions, comments, uh, and all that stuff. Let's get someone in on the hot seat. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we can't, but uh, you know what? We I think we need to. Um, you know, we need to take our own advice here and stuff. So like as as we start to try to push this more out into into the mainstream, mm-hmm. like everyone's like, well, I've done, I've called before and stuff like that. You know, as as we get more stuff out there, we need to to i i think i i don't know i love driving the conversation i like i want this to be an audio thing that's why it's a podcast and so it's like i love that i love that part of the conversation mm-hmm. and i love that you guys are feeding us stuff from the the chat too but mm-hmm. we'll find that we'll strike that good balance between having a guest that that third perception because it changes the whole dynamic of the conversation when you got more voice in there i think mm-hmm. also we sure. can hear your tone better and not feel like you're mad at us when you're yelling in all caps in the chat right <laughs> Um, there is a good comment. Uh, Prima Neutrina in the chat says, uh, rem- really reminds her of uh, the stretch goals in Kickstarter com- uh, campaigns. Things that aren't a priority, but with the right resources, they'd be great okay, to sure. have. Um, yeah, I think that's a fantastic example because Kickstarter is inevitably mm-hmm. designed around mm-hmm. like, hey, let's get this thing to market and we need your help yep. to do that, right? Mm-hmm. So stre- yeah. stretch goals could be a great example. I, I think that goes back to what we were talking about. I think my, maybe before you jumped on uh, where there's a slight distinction between roadmap and yep. that which is just kind of we're, we're throwing it out there blindly, right? Mm-hmm. So so. I can, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. I don't know. What do you think? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, I absolutely. I mean, you know, in in terms of, uh, you know, getting something out there, a minimum viable product, you're typically making decisions of knowing like this, this function does not hold well on every sort of scenario. So we're just going to go ahead and ship it as is knowing that we'll have to go back and fix it again. The term technical debt really comes from the software industry because it's, you know, it's so amorphous and it's easy to change and it's constantly evolving. Yeah. Uh, but it, 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 it persists in every facet of, of business, whether it's, you know, product design or development, whether it's just business operations, uh, you know, it, it, there are technical debt around us everywhere. Mm. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Grant in the chat asks, uh, when do you think is the best, it's best to start your second iterative process or next next process in a product. So that's 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 kind of a whole nother animal talking about like yes. continual yeah. improvement and when the right time. I mean, mm-hmm. we kind of t- dipped into that a little bit with shiny object syndrome episode. Um, mm-hmm. I think you were with us for that, Grant, but uh, it might be a good listen back on that. But uh, just to kind of attack it again, um, mm-hmm. that's that's obviously you know depends on the customer, depends on the product. I, I don't know that that's an easy answer uh, without yeah. having more context of the maturity of the product and um, all that stuff. Sure. Now, if he's talking about a second, you know, process that, that mm-hmm. suggests like the first one was like okay, we're, we're just still early in the in the design process or in the product life cycle, I suppose. So I don't mm-hmm. know. What do you do? You, do you have any? Um, you know, markers for that or any, any kind of framework you work off of, or is it more of a gut feel for you? So again, what, what I look at is, is, is the overall scope or the overall objective of the initial project. So was it something that is going to be a long lived thing? Is it something that, you know, has to do, you know, like it requires that second iterative process or is the second iterative process a product of, improper planning to begin with um oh. you know that's that's where it comes down to um mm-hmm. you know because i know grant had actually uh, mentioned something earlier as well where he inherited technical debt and this happens oh. all the time yeah we didn't even so, talk about that no no so so <laughs> this happens all of the time where you know someone is developing something maybe you go out and you have it contracted and then they you know the, your contract you know, worker builds out this product and they build it out to such a way that it, it, it really won't hold up to scrutiny of, of being able to survive for a long term. Uh, you see this in web development all the time, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, y- you know, where again, dirty <laughs> hacks are laid in just to get the project done and, you know, under budget or, or whatever. And then when the client gets it, they're handed basically a steaming pile of, uh, of poop, <laughs> you know, where it's like, okay, you know, here yeah. we've got to go and fix this. And, and they find someone else who inherits that technical debt. And they then have to go and fix what should have been done correctly the first time. 
Um, you I would, know. I'm remembering back to my web dev days, and I would argue that if you want to trigger a web develop any web developer out there, probably any software programmer in general, ask if you can uh, review their code. You know, because it's just like it's we're we're all I think we're all just like hacking it together the best that we can. And if there's one thing you hate, it's like having another coder look at your code and just like tear it apart. And like, why didn't you do it this way? Why didn't you do that? Because half the time you're like, well, I didn't cause I didn't have the time. And half the time it was like, Oh, I didn't even think of that. That would have been better. Um, you know? And then yeah, a lot of it, it was like, I was constantly like trying to learn new stuff as I went. So if I could get it to meet the design goals and, and go, that'd be fine. But like a lot of my code was just like an evolution of my learning you know, throughout time, and, the, and you're f- afraid that it's going to expose this imposter syndrome that you're not this proficient <laughs> programmer. You know, I was really late to the object-oriented programming, you know, uh, game, and and that's okay. a great example of maybe I don't know if you call that a parametric design equivalent, but sure. But in yeah. in, pro- in programming, it's it's a much more scalable model when you, you develop that way, but when you don't know it, it's, it feels like you're doing a lot of extra work to create classes and objects and all these things, uh, all these, um, uh, structures that, that, you know, mm-hmm. might not be necessary for a simple procedural code kind of thing. So yeah. uh, that's a yeah. I don't know, really gross oversimplification. There's a ton of abstractions in the, in the software yeah. world that probably don't make a lot of sense to somebody that just doesn't have that experience. But, there's a lot of amazing frameworks and tool sets that can be used that like everything you're built on the shoulders of giants. Like I don't need to know mm-hmm. how that library or function works. I just know that when I put in X input, it's, there's a lot of black box sure. stuff that happens sure. in the world too. And so, you know, we cheat, <laughs> we rob, you know, we steal, but in the end of the day, if it works, is it wrong? I don't, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. That's a, that's a discussion for a whole nother time. Whole nother yeah. time. Yeah. Hack Monkey says, I don't even like review my own co- old old code. Uh, I've done the same thing. And I look back and I'm like, what the hell was I <laughs> even thinking? I mean, that was ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Oh, guys, uh, listen, I get, let's let's uh, let's tidy it up, tie it up right there. We had a great discussion on technical debt today. Uh, mm-hmm. I learned something new. Hopefully you guys learned something new. If nothing, we love seeing your shining avatars in the chat and uh, having <laughs> you join us for this stuff. Uh, these these conversations, Andrew, always energize me. I love starting the day with them because it just makes me feel just more gung ho to get out there and attack some of the stuff that's. That's there. I, I, awesome. I love I love the early morning convos and, and streaming and podcasting and all that stuff. So I, I highly recommend it if uh, if that's your cup of tea too. get the get those neurons firing. Right. Yeah. Um, awesome. Well, listen, guys, thank awesome. you so much for joining us uh, as always. Uh, oh, 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 I got to do our CTAs because I suck at this part. So, uh, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah what is it? <laughs> subscribe, like, share, yeah, like, tweet comment, at us, subscribe, help yeah. us. You know, <laughs> if you guys think we're what we're doing here is cool, you know, tell tell a friend, bring a friend next time, whatever. I mean, we, uh, I, I've said it before, I'll say it again. We would do this if even if nobody was listening, uh, just because mm-hmm. it's just such a great way, um, especially as a small business owner, uh, to. You know, just find some relatable stuff to have a conversation. Find people that are like minded. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's I believe that's the real value of like makerspace and and uh, some of those you know things. The networking piece. It's you know, yes, there's a lot of lone wolves that want to do making and develop in their own and not deal with people. Yep. But um, I don't know. I'm a big big proponent of synergy and stuff. So anyway, yep. thank you for joining us. Thank you for being supportive and feeding us stuff in the chat. Uh, and enjoy your weekend, everybody. We will catch you next Friday for another exciting episode of Maker That Money. Uh, streamed here live on the YouTubes, 9 a.m. Pacific every Friday. That is all. Until then, uh, this is Pooch from Repcord and uh, Andrew. Other way. Andrew, Andrew from 3D Gloop. <laughs> Andrew, there we go, from 3D Gloop. Wherever I am. Signing off. <laughs> Bye-bye, everybody.